With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you? Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick plays jams. They're supposed to uh, provide clues and hints to Harge and I that lead us to the new theme of the day. Uh, and today's theme... It's all about number one, all about numero uno, because the Spurs, they won the day in the NBA draft lottery yesterday uh, by getting the number one overall pick in NBA draft lottery, which means I'm watching them right now. Wimby, I'm watching on TV right now. They'll get Wimbenyama uh, when the NBA draft rolls around. So uh, to the victor, go the spoils. Hey, okay, are they going to build it? They got to build a new arena now. Why don't they start That's, that now? He's, he let's is do going it now. to. He is going to help build that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, let's put this. The news has only been out for since Tuesday night. I know. So give a little bit, but I feel like this is where <laughs> right? it's starting. Uh, they are opening up. They already new worked facility. on a new facility. For it's training. going to be the number one training facility in the NBA. Yep. That opens this season. Okay. Yeah. So he's coming so. into the newest, best facility there, mm. and now you just got to work on getting the new building in. It, well, he, yeah. This honestly, if there's any, if there was any opposition to it uh, within the community, yeah. it should it should now be removed. Yeah. I mean, it's now like, you're guys, like, okay, guys, we're all we're all good. Now. This guy's take my money. Well, yeah. take my money. Well, we just talk. Uh, you guys. The stat, and I gave the stat too about the ticket offices, yep, how yep. they just been over. Well, I think they they're close now. It's up to three thousand yep. season ticket packages they've sold since yeah. they announced that they got the number one overall pick. And I do think that if you if somebody was doing the act, the community impact, the economic impact numbers, mm-hmm. I, I give you the, some nerd down there has already done it in government <laughs> and what he could mean for the Spurs yeah, if they yeah. actually you know end up building around him the right way, which the Spurs will do. I mean, you're talking about. Hundreds of millions of dollars in yeah. economic impact potentially. Oh no! And I, I mean, they, they said as way back to my conspiracy theory that if Charlotte had won it, that was the team that would have been the fix. That they lost five hundred million dollars in evaluation that by getting the second pick instead of the first pick. I believe that. That's the yeah. difference between a number two pick and the number one pick. In this he's draft. a generational talent. That's yeah. He's so like, five hundred yeah. million dollars. What they said the price wow. would have gone up if they would have got number one. <sighs> Yeah. How much did the Rockets lose? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> not only they lose as much. I'm just <laughs> never lost. Well, also, the Rockets the are Rockets. in Houston, not Charlotte. I know. <laughs> and they're not, which is a hell. Yeah, and they're not up for sale because still just throwing it out yeah. there. Anyway. Uh, I did, like, uh, they showed uh, Nike gave out hats at the viewing of the draft lottery yeah. where Wimbenyama was. And on it, it had the date, and then it had Wimby. And right next to Wimby, a little alien head. 
They're like, this is not going to be the logo, but they were like, the the original logo is because LeBron said that in a league with so many unicorns, he is an alien. Man, that'd be so cool if basically, like, that really did kind of build as to being like his alter ego. They just started talking about him as an alien. And oh, that would be, that's, you know what? Marketing. I wouldn't doubt if they could do it. Um, Speaking of, because I want to get into, because we're talking about Wimby anyway. Uh, We talked about this yesterday. We didn't bring it up on air. Tony Parker celebrated a birthday yesterday. That was, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Good, good birthday present. Great birthday present. Good birthday present. And we played this sound audio yesterday of Win Binyama basically saying that it, the universe, like the universe yep. basically, this was serendipitous. This was fate because the universe made this happen. He actually said that he made a video before the NBA draft lottery speaking this into existence, saying he wanted to go play for the Spurs. That's the team he wanted to play for. And a lot of Spurs fans believe that's because Tony Parker has been preaching the gospel, more like the propaganda, uh, to the young buck about the culture of the Spurs and the championships of the Spurs and how that community is just built different. And that's why now he wants to be a Spur for life. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Tony Parker can't help you with the draft lottery, but he can help with mold and kind of shape the young man's perception of the Spurs, which he's done. So let me ask you this before we talk NBA here, Patrick, because Tony Parker's legacy down there in San Antonio, it's it's interesting, right? Because it ain't sandwiched in between the goatness of Tim Duncan and yeah. really the just beloved, adored, you know, presence of one man who you know that people just love Manu. You can argue that Manu is more adored than Tim Duncan. Oh, is. yeah, like, yeah. Adoration. No, I saw, sure. I saw exactly. people getting mad because when Windhorse started the interview, he said, like, number one draft picks, David Robinson and Tim Duncan and, like, French superstar Tony Parker and Boris Diaw, and they're like, you didn't say Manu? It was like, well, because he was referencing number one picks and French players, but there were people were mad. Yeah. They were like, you yeah. got him. Hey, you mentioned those. You need to yeah. mention Manu. So that's why I want to ask you, as a Spurs fan, does this, that now knowing that story and now Wimby coming there and Wimby having that connection with Tony Parker, does it change his legacy now with Spurs fans? He get a little bit more street cred in retrospect now. I think how his relationship with Wimbenyama, and especially if he if Wimbenyama stays longer, because that's the part is if Wimbenyama leaves then, after yeah. after at a certain point, then everybody goes, "Well, Tony couldn't keep him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. He's gonna get blamed for it, whether it's his fault or not." Oh. So there, I think if he stays for a long career, has a great career, then it helps in of oh no, this was a guy who helped mentor him. And it was a good part of it, and he's part of the legacy from there to here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, time will only tell with with that. But yeah, it, it can't. It, it can only hurt it if there's if you know it Tony Parker apart, kind of thing. You know, does yeah. something stupid, which he's done before. We've heard it before, uh, but I I love, I love that Tony Parker's now he's getting a lot more love than, than he's yeah. ever gotten before. In, you know, a post uh, Big Three championship. Well, they run. also they also everybody knows that he's going to have to talk to him and Yamba at points and go, no, no, Pop did much worse to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, no, 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 exactly. no, 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 Pop was meaner to me. Don't worry. <laughs> that means he likes you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when he says that to you, he calls you that. He likes you. That's a that's actually a complimentary term. Uh, there you go. So all right, we'll, we'll get back to uh, some conversation about the NBA here because we want to talk about Miami. Uh, beating Boston in game one. If we have time, uh, we can preview that Lakers Nuggets game. But before we do that, Harj, you sent this to me and I was unaware of it. Uh, Royale Ivy. That's yes. some Royale Ivy news for the lifetime Longhorn. Royale Ivy has been slated to take the assistant coaching job with the Houston Rockets following Ime Adoka to the Houston Rockets. I think this is a great wow. move for him that probably puts him as number one. On the bench, number one assistant, 
which also puts him in line to be, boom, a head coach. Ooh, I like that. I'm, I'm, I love the fact that Royale is getting, coming back to the state of Texas and, and getting an opportunity to do so in Houston. It means he's, he's obviously mm-hmm. real tight with T.J. Ford. T.J. Ford still lives in the city of Houston. H-Town. He's all about it. So this is going to be a good move for the Rockets, but a better move for Royale, I believe. Uh, I, I Young lo- talent. Too. Yes. Young I remember his, his name coming up a lot when, uh, you know, Longhorn fans at the end of like Chris, when Chris Beard went into all of his controversy, mm-hmm. Longhorn fans bringing his name up because he has been considered a fast rising star in the coaching ranks. I love Royal Ivy. When I was on the 40 Acres, uh, Royal Ivy, I had, you know, some, um, <laughs> some, I had a couple of, um, I would say, uh, interactions with Royal Ivy. Mm-hmm. Each time he was awesome. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it was like some, it was mostly it was like neighborhood Longhorn stuff or stuff like yeah. that. Um, but he was fantastic, man, and you can already tell that he was an old soul back then. Um, no surprise, he ends up becoming a coach, and right now is on the fast track. So congrats to Royal Ivy, and we got a texter um, that actually told us about another lifetime Longhorn who is interviewing for the Bucks head coaching job, Will Weaver. Yeah. Um, and Patrick, you did some research about Will. Yeah, because he he went to Texas. A Texas grad uh, was assistant coach from 2006 to 2010 at Texas, which is when Kevin Durant was there. So some good years uh, there under Rick Barnes. Then kind of went around Sam Houston State, and then went to the NBA, and has been was stayed in the NBA for a little bit. Uh, kind of does in NBA and some international stuff yep. to get a little bit more head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. Yep, doing some international stuff. But he's been with the Rockets. Uh, for a few years too, uh, before well, he left there, that. Oh. so he was there for a couple of years as well. Uh, I, you know, he's another interesting name to watch of somebody that, especially as you get more foreign players, there's coaches like this that are willing to go over and kind of work with some foreign guys. That you know, when you go, when your makeup of your team has that, they'll go, all right, this is somebody we should look at. So a team that is led by the Greek freak, mm-hmm. you may want to look at a guy that has a little bit more of a background in other areas. Because it may fit into what Giannis is thinking, what he wants to do offensively uh-huh. or defensively, a little bit more. That's a great point. Uh, Texas says, "I know Will. I know Will Weaver. Used to call him Weaver Time. Great guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that text. Good nice. text, sir. Uh, okay, there you go. A couple of uh, lifetime Longhorns rising up the coaching ranks in the NBA. All right, gentlemen. Speaking of the NBA, let's get to it. Big win last night for the Miami Heat. And guys, man, they they win game once." or at least they have been in these playoffs, uh, that's the third game one they've won on the road in these playoffs, guys. That is absurd, by the way. Savage. There's only the fifth time a team has been able to do that, to win a third game one on the road in the playoffs. Uh, That is really hard to do. uh, But this, uh, man, this Heat team, they're just tough. And, of course, they're led by the uh, (laughs) Hemi. Himself, himself. Uh, Jimmy Butler, who's got that dog in him. He is the epitome of mental toughness and fortitude. Guys averaging damn near 32 points per game in the playoffs, guys. Uh, damn near seven rebounds, damn near six assists, over two steals a game on 52% shooting. And in this game, he was him, his usual self. Mm-hmm. Um, 35 points, five rebounds, seven assists, six steals. Uh, gave the Michael Jordan stat earlier, um, but since everybody's comparing him to MJ these days, and we totally understand why, because he got that dog in him. Jimmy Butler had his second career road playoff game with 30 points, at least five rebounds, at least 30 points, at least five rebounds, and at least five assists, and at least five steals. The only other player to do that twice on the road since 
um, steals were first tracked and recorded, it's Michael Jordan. Also did it twice. Jimmy, Jimmy is that dude. Jimmy came out and did what he was supposed to do. I want to give a shout-out to Kyle Lowry as well. Kyle Lowry, like Mike Lowry. Lowry. He went out there and played good basketball, 15 points, 6 of 12 from the field, and 3 of 5 from three-point land. He was somebody that we were talking about. If Jimmy can't get it truly going, who is going to help in this? We talked about Bam out of Bayou. He had 20 points. Vincent coming off, I mean, starting in the lineup, but he came out and just started shooting darts from all Mm -hmm. over the place. This entire team, and even Kevin Love gave him eight points. I mean, Kevin Love being able to to contribute, this is a guy that pretty much had, we thought his career was over, really, and now he's got a chance to play for the Miami Heat. Just guys that are out there doing their roles and making the most of it. But, yeah, the guy is Jimmy, and as he goes, this team goes – Nine of ten from the free throw line. That is clutch time. When you can get to the rim, get fouled, and knock down shots. He threw one shot on an inbounds play where he got fouled and he tipped it in, and they called it right away. And it was like, how did he even make that? Like, he's just doing all kinds of stuff. That's MJ, like his daddy, stunning like (laughs) his daddy. So there you go. So people are starting to believe like that, that that conspiracy theory actually floating around. People are trying oh, to yeah. connect the dots of how MJ could actually be Jimmy Butler's dad. Have you seen their side by side? I know, but <laughs> no, I'm just fine. <laughs> like, Michael's probably saying, people... "I finally got a son that can hoop." <laughs> <laughs> hey man, his other son is still dating. Is he still dating Scottie Pippen's ex wife? Hey, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Oh, Larsa, Larsa Pippen Jordan. Uh, yeah. he, which it could be one day. It could end up being that. We know it's going to be Larson Pippen, Jordan Butler. <laughs> no. uh, guys, the biggest uh, factor in this game, or at least kind of the biggest headline away from Jimmy Butler doing what he does uh, so often he's been doing in the playoffs, um, is the third quarter that really, uh, really turned the tide here. Boston lost the third quarter by 21 points, mm-hmm. but won every other quarter. They won three of the four quarters, lost the third quarter, and lost it by such a lopsided margin they lost the game. The Heat scored 46 points on 25 possessions. That was the second most efficient quarter in the playoffs for any team. Any team. And I went back and looked at it now, after last night's games, teams are now 30-3 and in this year's playoffs when they win three of four of the quarters uh, in the game. And the Miami Heat they are responsible for three of those losses. Sorry, two of those three losses. Uh, they beat the Bucks on April 24th, uh, despite losing three of the four quarters. And they beat the Celtics May 17th, of course, last night, despite losing three of the four quarters. The other game, Golden State beating the Kings April 23rd, despite losing three of the four quarters. And I said this about, you know, the the Celtics, unfortunately. And the Celtics are a really talented team. I mean, the truth is, this Celtics team is much more talented than the eighth-seeded Miami Heat because they shocked a lot of people. We'll play that sound of Jimmy Butler talking about how they don't really give a damn that they've shocked everybody. Uh, they haven't surprised. They, they haven't surprised themselves because they had a lot of faith in what they could do. But you go look at this uh, Celtics squad, and I said this earlier, man. They do. Ha- they do have a tendency 
to like play with their food. It's the only way I can kind of describe it. They mm-hmm. remind me, I, I said it earlier, remind me of the villain in the movie that, that talks too much and has the long monologue or soliloquy uh, prior to them um, being able to put their opponent away or whatever, push the button, pull the trigger, whatever, in that person, finish the job. Uh, they don't do that. They kind of play with their food. They let their opponent hang around, and usually it comes back to bite them. It happened in the Hawks series. I think it was game five. In that series against the Hawks, where they led, yep. they led in that game, and at one point they led. I think it was like one o, um, I think it was like one o nine to ninety six with like six minutes left in that game. Uh, they had every opportunity to win, and then they just collapsed. They did it in the seventy sixers series once, where they were up and then they relaxed and just exhaled, and the Sixers came back to win that game. And here's another opportunity where. I mean, that game is uh, it's up for grabs, and yet the Boston Celtics just seemed to relax. They didn't seem to have a sense of urgency or intensity, and Jimmy and the Heat did. You're supposed to be, finish them! Exactly. You didn't get a chance you to finish them, and that. then you get beat. And then you look at the fact, Jason Tatum was 9 of 17 in this game. He shot four times in the second half, zero in the fourth quarter. That is why they didn't finish him. Mm-hmm. That is why they didn't get a chance to separate themselves, and that's why Hemi recognized it and was like, give me the ball, I'll take over this game, and I'll make sure that my team wins. That's embarrassing for Jason Tatum, especially if you want to be that guy and you want to walk around. And They got a billboard in Manhattan right now. In New York, Times Square, Jordan Brand took out a huge thing that says, records break when I don't. That's what it says. And now all of a like sudden that. you can't go out there and and you don't you don't take over a game after you just went for 51. It makes zero sense for him to not be able to take shots in the second half. Makes zero sense, which is why your team is down. Now, to Patrick's point of what he said earlier, he's probably going to come out and take too many shots and not yeah. pass the ball and and not be that guy. But as long as he takes it in the second half and is assertive, and not go into a game where you don't take any shots in the fourth quarter, Crazy. they'll be a lot better, period. Yeah, this is, I remember that. They, they actually won a game uh, against the 76ers. I believe it was game two. Well, he did just that. And he actually just kind of disappeared. And he disappeared yeah. to the point point. what Jalen Brown and others took over the game. So it wasn't a necessity for Correct. him to Correct. take over and for him to kind of hold. And they won. I think they blew out the 76ers in that game. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was one of seven. Yeah. In that game again, another he was he's kind of small yeah. time. He kind of went Casper the friendly yes. ghost, and that was right after the game one. Where like I talked about, they were kind of playing with their food. They lost game one, and I believe they recorded the highest effective field goal percentage in a loss in NBA playoff history in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's like they should have won that game. They, they should have won. They should have been up two yeah. zero in that series. But like I said, they play with their food. They're the villain that's uh, giving the long monologue about hey confessing and giving a testimonial when they should just be pushing the button or finishing off their opponent. And and yet they don't, and it always comes back to haunt them. They, and I think this series, you could you could see that playing out because there is no letdown, there is no let up in the Miami Heat. Yeah, you're sitting there looking at him, and he's like, I've been following you all your life. I've been waiting for this moment. This is what I've been thinking about. And I just decided I was going to cut you here, and I was going to do this. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes in through the rafters, and there they are right there. Yeah. He was like, Phew. I'm glad you just made it just in time. Or you just let your rival escape or your arch nemesis, whatever it is. Yeah. They
they do that time after time. And I, like I said, I if I'm picking a team now, just watching uh, game one, it's crazy. But the Miami Heat. Uh, seem to be the team that's playing with a sense of urgency. They're the ultimate overachiever. The Celtics are the ultimate underachiever. You go look at eight seeds in the last five years. Eight seeds outside of the Miami Heat have won ten games combined. Yep. In the last five years, and the Heat have won nine. They've almost won as many games as all the eight seeds combined in the playoffs the last five years. No. You don't see eight seeds make runs like you that. Do not. Well, and and again, they were supposed to be a seven seed. Like the Lakers, but they lost that first playing game, which knocked them down to an eight seed. So record wise, regular season, they're a seven seed. They got knocked down to the eight, but it ends up working out for them because they play Milwaukee, who they match up well against, catch mm. them off guard, and knock out Milwaukee. If they play Boston in that first round, we don't know if they make that run. No, you're right. And catching people off guard is what they do really well. Because I think with their roster, with a kind of a roster of underachievers, with that roster, I think a lot of people assume there's just when they watch film and they're doing preparation and game planning for that series versus Miami, and I don't know why they end up you know taking them for granted. Essentially, mm-hmm. they end up uh, discounting or dismissing this team because they don't have a lot of superstar star talent on the roster and missing Tyler Hero too. And yet, the you gave the stat earlier, Harge, about undrafted players and how much they score. Yep. Um, the Miami Heat uh, this year, the 2023 Miami Heat, have scored 520, at least they have 524 points scored by undrafted players. Yep. That is the third most in the last 50 years in the playoffs for a team. The 2022 Miami Heat are first, by the way. 576. That is a testament to the front office and being able to identify and develop talent and the culture they have with Miami Heat, too. 258 points combined for the Lakers, Celtics, and Nuggets of undrafted people. That's unbelievable. Compared to the 524 that you see from the um, Miami Heat. It is unbelievable what I'm seeing by this group, the moves that they're making as far as the timing, Spolstra being one hell of a coach that no one really talks about. No one really gives Spolstra the credit that he deserves besides, you know, people in the NBA circles. But when you look at it nationwide and and publicly, a lot of people don't say anything about him. A lot of people don't say a lot about Spolstra, but every year he's in it, he's around it, and he's done it. And he's a guy that started, when we say start from the bottom, he was in the film room. Mm Mm-hmm. He was in the film room, and now he's leading this team to possibly a chance to be playing for a uh, championship. Unbelievable. Uh, Jimmy, uh, getting back to Jimmy Butler, Hemi, uh, Jimmy Buckets, uh, playoff Jimmy, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I love the quote from Eric Spolstra about the team taking on Jimmy Butler's identity. He said, quote, he is us and we are him. Love it. And he's right about that. They do play love like Jimmy it. Butler. Like, like they play like a bunch of t- somebody. They say a bunch of guys who've been written off. Yeah, and a, gun, a bunch of guys who feel disrespected, and they go out there and they play with a boulder on their shoulder. Who? And uh, yeah. attitude, bro. Tons of it. Yep. <laughs> and he lets you know right off the rip. We don't care what you think. We don't care anything about what y'all are saying about us. No. We just out here to play. Jimmy don't care. Jimmy don't care. Jimmy don't give a damn. What is his what is his coffee? No 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 face coffee. Big face, big face coffee. <laughs> big face coffee. Yeah, big face coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's hear from Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Buckets as they call him now. Um here's Jimmy in the post game. 
how do how does this feel to you guys what you have done so far and if you go back all the way to that night against Chicago and the play-in did you think then that something like this would be possible damn right I did damn right we did um and the best part about it is we still don't care what none of y'all think honestly speaking um we don't care if you pick us to win we never have we never will we know the group of guys we have in this locker room um we know that coach Bo um puts so much confidence and belief in each and every one of us coach Pat as well and so our circle's small but this circle got so much love for one another um we pump constant confidence into everybody we go out there and we hoop. We play basketball the right way, knowing that we always got a chance. Wow. He uh, letting you know. Except put it on a T-shirt. Um, damn right I did. Damn right we <laughs> did. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy believes, man, and Jimmy will make you a believer. Man. I'm Jimmy will here, make you a believer. I'm sitting here looking at his big face brand online. Man, Jim, Jimmy making his money back, whatever it may be. Jimmy making you spend a lot of money. He got this Kanye gear. You know, he's going to make you spend. He's got his own, like, fashion line? Oh, yeah. Is his own apparel called Big Face. Really? Yeah, Big, big what's, Face. What's the, like, what is the symbol? Like, what's the? It's a, a it, big is, face. Is, is it his big face? <laughs> no, it ain't him. He's got, it looks like an X has uh, the eyes, a smiley face. Okay. And a big circle. I yeah. didn't realize that. Oh, he yeah. didn't wear a lot of it. I guess yeah, he wore That was in his, the post-game interview. Was he wearing it then? That's what he was wearing. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, was, I hadn't seen a ton of it. There's probably restrictions on when he can wear it, too. No, not Jimmy. Not Jimmy. Jimmy <laughs> don't have rules. Find Jimmy. They're going to find Jimmy. Jimmy don't care, though. That's right. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll uh, pay homage to my man, V.Y. He's celebrating her 39th birthday today. Also, we'll get into uh, pro football focus, showing a lot of love to uh, several Longhorns, who they're saying are some of the best returning players at their positions in college football. Uh, we'll come back and discuss all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day. I want to get into uh, some pro football focus articles um, that are giving the Longhorns a lot of love, and then we'll uh, end it with some VY conversation. If we don't have time for the VY conversation, we'll table it, and then we'll get into it uh, next uh, segment. Uh, okay, so pro football focus, they're ranking different positions around the country, and uh, they've ranked offensive tackles. They've ranked wide receivers and running backs. They quarterbacks. They've gone to a different, a lot of different positions. And in some of these rankings, the Longhorns are getting a ton of love. Uh, let's start with offensive tackles. Uh, they have Kelvin Banks uh, listed among their top ten returning offensive tackles, and they got him at number seven. Got him as the number seven overall returning tackle in all of college football. My favorite stat about um, about Kelvin Banks, and I mean, obviously he's a very young and talented player, 
and he's like I said, he's got a really bright future ahead of him. It's almost hard to believe that he was just a freshman last year. True. Like it really is. I like true freshman. Yeah, it's like how, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. I yeah. need to say true freshman true because freshman. redshirt freshman doesn't do it just now. He's not a, true a COVID freshman. freshman yeah. None of that. Yeah, true. Should have been at yeah, <laughs> yeah. been in prom and was here. Yeah. And no, he was a a freak of nature. Um, the four first round uh, defensive ends that he faced. Because he ended up facing three of them. Sorry, four of them. Will Anderson at number three overall. Ty- Tyree Wilson uh, drafted number seven overall. Will McDonald drafted number 15 overall. And Felix Anudike Uzoma mm-hmm. drafted 31st overall. The K-State uh, defensive lineman who ended up being defensive uh, lineman of the defensive player of the year. Player, yep. Defensive lineman of the year and player of the year, I believe. Correct. got both. Uh, but either way, you're talking about four first-round defensive ends. And Kelvin Banks got a chance to face those guys. Um, he had, I think... Uh, Third, he had uh, basically 45 reps against Bama uh, in a pass-blocking role, uh, 29 against Iowa State, 36 against Tech, and 32 against K-State. So plenty of sample size. He allowed zero sacks, four pressures, and zero penalties combined against four first-round caliber talents mm-hmm. at defensive end. Mm-hmm. So I, I know he's number seven, but that— it, Harsh said he's a true freshman at number seven. The guys ahead of him, I haven't looked at them, but I doubt very seriously there are many true freshmen none. ahead of him on this list. I would say none. <laughs> yeah, right? I would say none. I just, exactly. I just <laughs> go out the way and just guesstimate that it's probably none on the list. So that dude is uh, way ahead of schedule. So if you're a Quinn Ewers, uh, does help to have one of the best tackles in the country uh, watching your back. Um, um, all right, so let's get to the other uh, list. They did wide receivers as well. And I'm sure by now Longhorn fans know that uh, Xavier Worthy is considered to be one of the top returning starters in all of college football at the wide receiver position. Um, the pro football focus rankings have him at number four. Yep. Uh, they have him only behind uh, Rome on Oduze, uh, Odunzi of Washington. I'm sure I screwed that name up, did not mean to. And two Ohio State Buckeye receivers, uh, Emike uh, Egbuka and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. So, man, Ohio State's got one and two on this list. I mean, that, they've had it every year. One and two on this That's list. the other part about yeah, this. Every crazy. time you talk about top receivers, there's always an Ohio State wide receiver in the conversation. And how many they got in the league now? Like They got Olave. The, they got they, Garrett Wilson. Wilson. They got Jigma Smith just and Jigma so, just yeah. went. And people had said before crazy, that man. Smith and Jigma was better than Garrett Wilson and uh, – yes. Olave. Well, they actually asked uh, the coach, uh, Coach Harlan, about yeah. it. And I believe, and Patrick, you saw this sound. I believe he ends up saying in the end that Marvin Harrison. He says Marvin Harrison is like Jr. The is the best one. And that's why he's being projected as the number two overall pick in some early mock drafts. Exactly. He says he's better than all the receivers that he had there. And you think about it, that's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. They, they have some people have him number two. Caleb Williams won him too. Yeah, yeah, mm, that is that's freakish. So Xavier Worthy though, and 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 they point out something that we've talked about on Longhorn Blitz podcast a lot with Xavier Worthy, and this goes to Sark. And Sark, you know, Sark's a big game hunter, always looking for the deep ball. And last year when Isaiah Nayor went down, Isaiah Nayor was supposed to be the deep threat within the offense, and when they didn't have a natural built-in deep threat, they essentially typecast and pigeonholed Xavier Worthy into being that guy. Yeah. And it really did wreck Xavier Worthy's productivity. Um, they talk about he he basically averaged 17.6 yards, his average depth of target. So his average depth of target last year, 17.6 yards. That ranked seventh highest in the power five. 
And mm. his, his his freshman year, when he had, I think we all agree, a better year, um, his average depth of target was 13.4 yards. Um, and we all know Sark, that deep ball, baby. He's, <laughs> like, have it. he's like Pookie from New Jack City. <laughs> he needs that deep ball. He's chasing that deep ball. And oftentimes last year, he and Quinn Ewers couldn't get on the same page with the deep ball. And I think that all, it hurt uh, Xavier Worthy's production, but also his role within the passing game that he had to be force-fed the football on deep balls all the time. Mm-hmm. And this year, that won't be the case. They'll have other receivers who can fulfill those roles. It can be a young Jante Cook out there. Uh, you can put A.D. Mitchell out there to fulfill that role. Isaiah Nayor is coming back off an injury, but you'll have guys that can fulfill the role of being a deep threat. Sark has already told us he is not, I repeat, he is not going to give up on his affinity and his obsession with the deep ball. No. He's going to throw we that We just got to be more accurate. Exactly. He's going to be better at it. He's going to throw that deep ball. I need that deep ball, baby. He's going to chase that deep ball. Yeah. Uh, and we just got to get more, you know, obviously more efficient and more effective at completing those deep balls. But at least this year, Xavier Worthy won't be typecast as the deep guy. Right. And last year he was, and I think we all saw how that turned out. That was serious regression there. Um, I like the fact that you said typecast. He I was. like that. He was, like, he was a I deep like ball that. guy, and it's like, that's no, that's not Xavier Worthy. He's a better all-around receiver than that. Yeah. Uh, CB says the receivers regressed last year, probably the only position group to regress. That actually is true. I've admitted that, too. I think it probably is the only position group to 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 regress. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like me some Brendan Marion, but I'll still be frank and honest about that. Uh, the other uh, position group that got some love from the rankings from pro football focus was the tight ends uh they got jt sanders on their top 10 returning tight ends list uh they got jt sanders as number three as the number three returning tight end in college football i might go a little bit deeper in on this tomorrow because i've been doing some work about the tight end position but listen the tight end position here at texas and longhorn fans know this all too well it has been an endangered species for the most part here at texas going back to you know, david thomas and jermichael finley and bo skis you know those are the times we were actually producing nfl caliber tight ends i'm saying five tool tight ends now you have produced some nfl tight ends but they haven't really been five tool tight ends they've been a role specific tight end situational guys that can block uh guys you have to develop into being a tight end like a tyrone swoops no jt sanders is a the real deal we talking about a five-tool tight end, and he has a chance, I said this before, he has a chance to go down statistically as the greatest tight end in the history of Texas football. Mm. I like that. No, the Texas record for most TDs in a single season by a tight end, uh, Pat Fitzgerald with eight. I think he can do that, right? Uh, David Thomas owns the record for the most catches for a tight end in a single game, and that's 10, I think, and in a career it's 98. But J.T. Sanders... 54 receptions. That's the most by a tight end in a single season in program history, so he's got that record. Um, he, he had uh, 613 yards last year. That was second all-time in a single season for a tight end. He had five touchdowns. Hell, the record is eight. So it's third all-time for a, a tight end in a single season. Uh, he was first team All-Big 12. He's the most receiving yards in a single season for a tight end. Belonged to William Harris. It's 637. Dude, he was at 613. Uh, yeah, most receiving right, most, most receiving yards in a game for a tight end, 149 by Jermichael Finley. Honestly, I think he can have that in the game. He probably, he probably was pretty close in a couple of games. I didn't really look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most receiving yards in a career for a tight end, 1,367. I think he actually has a chance to catch that this year. 
because all he has to do is get another kind of 600 receiving yard season, and he's on the catch David Thomas. Most receiving touchdowns in the career by a tight end, 15. Um, might take him, uh, he might need a, might need a real big season tight uh, touchdown wise to do that. Uh, most receiving touchdowns in a game by a tight end, three by DJ Grant. He's got a chance, honestly, to break all those, or at least a lot of those. I think so, too. I think it was the point of emphasis last year that where Texas got away from it. Mm-hmm. He should have been a more important part of the uh, game plan every single week. It would be times where they would wait too long to get him involved and he would kind of step away from the game, so to speak. But if you go right after him and you get him involved right from the grip, he's one of your most effective players because he'll block even more, Mm -hmm. he'll get downfield, he'll get open, and he'll make plays. I remember at the very beginning of the season, it was like he was the most featured player on the team, and then they went away from it. Because mm-hmm. they were using him as short yardage in the goal line. They were trying yep. to throw alley-oops to him. So I think it's going to be important to get him involved in games earlier than what they did before. Yeah, I would even say you can run the passing game through him. You can feature him in Absolutely. the passing game rather than Xavier Worthy. Not that Xavier Worthy is going to get less targets, but you you feature him like you would feature and force feed the football to Xavier Worthy. But with J, with JT Sanders, you're going to get favorable matchups because they're going to put a safety on him. They're going to put a, a, D, a, a nickel back on him, sometimes even a linebacker on him. And like I said, it's the, the, the tight end position has been an endangered species on the 40 acres. And remember, Sark has said it's the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Yep. So he understands how pivotal it is. And I, I remember I, I referenced this earlier this year, but there was an article I read about endanger, about basically the, 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 the gray wolf, uh, which was an endangered species uh, at one time, and how they introduced it or reintroduced it into Yellowstone Park. And I'll save you all the, you know, all the details of everything. But essentially what they realized was without the wolves, after, after they reintroduced the wolves, the entire ecosystem changed. Without the wolves, the coyotes kind of ran rampant. They took over every damn thing. Elk population exploded because nobody was hunting the damn elk, overgrazing on the willows and the aspens. And without the trees and everything, because obviously these elks are they're overgrazing, the songbirds declined and died. And beavers, because they didn't have access to all the willows and aspens, they couldn't build their dams and their riverbeds eroded because they didn't have the dams that could kind of regulate uh, like the water and everything. And without the beaver dams and the shade from the beaver dams, the water temperatures rose. And got higher, too, because it would cool off the water. They found out all this because they didn't have wolves in Yellowstone Park. And to me, that's the effect of a tight end within an offense. I think we've seen the, the, the decay and deterioration of the Texas offensive identity over the years without a real tight end. And I think now that a real tight end has been introduced back into the offense... We're going to see the offense flourish and thrive in a way that it hadn't for years going all the way back to Jermichael Finley and, and David Thomas and Bo Scaife because the tight end, in my opinion, as an endangered species, it is a species that has a huge butterfly effect mm-hmm. on, the, on every other part of the offense and everybody else's role within the offense. Um, okay, uh, I said I'd talk to you. We'll do that next segment right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful <laughs> nine the Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 Down the Horn. Patrick is still celebrating. He's still on a high after the Spurs won the NBA draft lottery. They get the number one overall pick, and it's a 
It's a foregone conclusion. They're going to pick Victor Wimbenyama. So new theme of the day is number one. Uh, the songs are referenced number one, numero uno, because the Spurs got the number one overall pick. And our resident Spurs fan, Patrick, here, uh, he's turning into a 48-hour celebration. Like women celebrate their birthdays. He's going to celebrate oh. the, the NBA draft lottery the for the entire rest of the month. Yeah, the entire month. month. Oh, yeah, month. It's my birthday month, dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to roll in. Uh, my birthday's a week away. I'm going to roll straight into that. Oh, really? Roll, yeah. Oh, man. He's great. You're right. He's going yeah, to home. He's going to home. <laughs> oh, yeah. This Memorial Day weekend, we're going to have a good old time celebrating it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have a Tony's going to be celebrating until the draft. And then after he's drafted, they're going to celebrate for another few months until the season. So, yeah. Oh, we're going to be celebrating the season starts, too. Oh, I, I know. It. No, I already get it. Love Trust it. me. You, I mean, I can't wait to, to watch Win Binyama either. I'm excited. I'm excited for Spurs fans, even though as a Rockets fan. Hurts my heart a little bit. Hurts my heart a little bit. Uh, something else that hurts my heart a little bit uh, is, uh, honestly, thinking about VY. Hurts my heart a little bit, man. Because it just, it, it harkens back to the the great days of Texas mm-hmm. football uh, when VY was roaming the 40 acres uh, and winning championships. And um, t- VY is celebrating a birthday today. 39 years old, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I thought it was 40. It's 40. Is it 40? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Wikipedia yeah. says 39. I would supposed to be today, 40. Okay. Uh, so that's what everybody's been talking about. Has everybody been talking like, about that? Has everybody looked at it? Has everybody done the math? Or are we just assuming because we heard something? I can tell it? you, as I am turning 39 in one week, and he is born a year before me, okay, yeah, so he will 40. be 40. Okay, just want to yeah. make sure. Um, okay, so happy uh, B-Day B to my man, V.Y. My take about Vince Young um, has always been, aside from, obviously, his greatness on the field here at Texas. And, by the way, you've got to give a lot of props to Greg Davis because, you know, Greg Davis could have been – Stubborn about the way he utilized VY. I think at one point, Greg Davis decided to let go and let God uh, with VY and just put him into a really simple offense, yeah. zone read and read option, and let his skill take over. So I'll give him a ton of props for that. I always thought that VY was at one point probably one of the most miserable people to be watching NFL football. And the reason I say that is it's because the NFL game turned into the perfect. Uh, ecosystem for him like eight years later, right? Like eight years later, the NFL Mm -hmm. decided, you know what? We don't need a specific type of quarterback to play quarterback. The the quarterback position can look very different. We are willing to uh, recognize that there are many ways to skin a catfish, all right? And that no matter your, your height, or your style of play or being a mobile quarterback, uh, those are not data points that should be uh, considered uh, a, a negative thing in your skill set. As a matter of fact, sometimes those things can end up being a, a, a unique advantage in your skill set. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing coaches think outside the box. Uh, you're seeing a lot of coaches have the uh, mentality that if, you're, if your offense isn't quarterback friendly, then you need a new offense. They love to say that now. Lincoln Riley will say that a ton. And now you're seeing NFL offenses, and we used to have actually, I say it, we used to have NFL offenses and college football offenses. You don't have that anymore. Right. Now you just have offenses. The NFL offenses are running college uh, plays. Andy Reid says the college game is five years ahead of the NFL game, and the NFL is going down to the college level, and you see a lot of these concepts trickling up to the NFL. And uh, a lot of the things that you know were popularized at the college level are now trickling up, and they're running at the at the NFL level. Jalen Hurts, oh no, eight years ago, Jalen Hurts probably ain't even playing quarterback in the league. They probably try to switch him to something else, or he's just a utility player. Yeah, 
Um, but because in like a 10 year span, the NFL evolved uh, exponentially, it really did. And especially when it came to the quarterback position, you see now teams deciding that they can they can approach the quarterback position with a lot more uh, basically with a lot wider lens, if you will. Yep. And they used to they used to be very narrow about who could play the quarterback, what type of quarterback, uh, what type of skill set could play the quarterback position, how tall you had to be, your hand size had to be this hand size, you had to have this many uh, snaps in college, you had to come from this type of an offense, and now all of those data points have pretty much been smashed to smithereens, and people are realizing that it's not a science developing and evaluating the quarterback; it's much more of an art form, right? And in this day and age, a VY, he would have been more, I would think he would have been given more of the benefit of the doubt within an offense. And they would have structured that offense around him rather than trying to put that square peg into that round hole constantly. I, I, I bring that up a lot because you start looking around the league and around different times and you say, all right, what would he have done if he'd have been in this era? We talked about it when we were talking mm-hmm. about Eric Metcalf. Yep. When Eric, Eric Metcalf was before his time, yep. they couldn't use him properly because they didn't know how to use him properly. Mm-mm. Now, as time has gone on, and you're right, V.Y. was the guy that you let him go out there and just play ball, you're going to have a great time. But then you try to change the way he goes about it. I mean, Mac, Mac Brown went through it with him. Mac Brown had to just let go a little bit and let V.Y. go do mm-hmm. his thing because that would get him him loose as well as the team, and then you get into the NFL, you go to a place where a coach don't want you, and they don't they don't try to adhere to what makes you great. I've always talked about that when it comes to coaching. The biggest thing for me as a coach is adjusting to what your player's strengths are, not making him adjust to what you like to call. Find out what he's good at and make the most of it because it, obviously it was good enough for you to recruit him. Mm-hmm. So why are you going to try to make him be something that he's not? And and that was one of the biggest things for me when you look at VY. I thought for sure that VY was going to take over the NFL, almost like a Michael Vick did when Michael Vick got to the league and how explosive he was and how he changed the way people were looking at players. But if he goes somewhere else, he probably has a different career. Uh, yeah, I think if he goes to a team that actually is willing to build yeah, around him, right. um, because the ownership and the head coach wanted two different things in Tennessee. Yep. Ownership wanted V.Y. and Jeff Fisher did not, and the offensive coordinator did not. Norm uh, Chow. Yes, he ended up in a very compromising uh, position. But V.Y. is still 31-19 and 19 as a starter in the NFL, which means he has a 62% winning percentage. Uh, if you go look at quarterbacks <laughs> who have started at least 50 games, he's still probably top 40. And yep. top 40 in win percentage. <laughs> the man who won yep. a lot of games yes. in spite of coaches not wanting to uh, invest in him and go all in right. around VY. Um, okay, uh, we'll come back, talk a little bit more VY when we get a chance. Uh, your specs, text line, uh, comments, we'll get to those as well. Come back and wrap it up and put it in the oven. We're off at 615 for Texas Baseball right here on Ball Don't Lie on on the Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. New theme Thursday. That's when Patrick plays jams. That's supposed to give us clues and hints, little breadcrumbs that leads Harge and I to the new theme of the day. And the new theme of the day, all about being first 
numero uno, just like the San Antonio Spurs are in the NBA upcoming draft because they won the draft lottery, which they have done three different times. They've been in the draft lottery six times, and they've won the damn thing three times. So 50% of the time, it works every time. So, yeah. I had to go with this one to end it, you know, because it is by a guy with one in his name and the song is number one in it, too. Wow. KRS1? KRS1. Well done. I'm still number one. Well done. It's good stuff. There. You already know. I don't even know if we've ever played KRS1 on the show. I don't think we have. I don't think we have. I, I mean, I yeah. think we've been keeping up with this stuff. I don't think we have at all. So there you go. Kudos uh, for the first time KRS One has been on the show like that. Uh, we're just talking about. We don't have a ton of time here, so we'll just preview Texas versus Virginia coming up next. Uh, we're just talking about Vy. Shout out to my man Vy. Happy birthday! I knew Vy though real quick, long time before most people listening because right. I'm from H Town. So he's from Hiram Clark. I'm from South Park. They're basically kind of neighboring communities. I can help and walk to Hiram Clark. I dated lots of women from Hiram Clark. Nobody relates to VY. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they want VY to think something's happening in there. But anyway, uh, I knew VY that back then. I said I dated lots of women. From Hiram Clark. <laughs> oh, Hiram, oh, the Hiram Clark has some honeys, man. Um, but anyway, uh, VY was known for being kind of a basketball star in yep. H Town when he was younger. That's, everybody talks about him as, as being a basketball star. And I played at uh, Houston Lamar, DB High. We were in the same uh, district. With Madison, okay, and 17-5-8 back in the day, so I, I know it's something different now. So I, I remember watching a young Vy um, with Madison, uh, like going out to go see them, like uh, you know, in their on their like freshman squad and stuff like that. Just cause, okay, and uh, the and, and then going back to watch him versus Lamar, like when I was actually at Texas. Oh no, man, he was a uh, he was a freak. Like he really was a freak of nature on the football field. I think I said he was ahead of his time. Like I said, the right. the game wasn't really ready for Vy, and then once, like I said, once he went into the league, was that two thousand six was his rookie year? Two thousand six that rookie yeah, year for him. Yeah, yeah. Think about basically Cam Newton comes along like two thousand eleven, right? Two thousand eleven, something like that. Two thousand ten, Cam Newton comes out, and then RG three comes along like two thousand twelve. And right then, that's when and give my boy, give my boy Kyle Shanahan some credit, Shano, because uh, Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan they went down to Baylor, uh-huh. and went and took the the Art Browse playbook. Remember, Art Browse famously didn't have a playbook, didn't have a physical one. He said, "You got to come down here. You got to get it out of my damn head." All right, you want my plays? They want his plays. They want to yeah. say, hey, we're going to just take your offense. We're going to run our version of it in the NFL. They had to go down to Baylor and go get the plays. <laughs> from Art Browse on how to utilize RG3, and they took all those college concepts right to the NFL. Cam Newton was already running them because yeah. he was running them with Carolina because they wanted to use the same concepts that Cam Newton was weaponized with at Auburn. So all those concepts were now trickling up to the NFL and being spread across the league everywhere, mm. and, and, and NFL coaches were realizing there's a, there are different ways to play the quarterback position. Yes, there are. And yep. the NFL has long been really dogmatic about measurables and trying to turn the quarterback position into a science they can evaluate, right? They can replicate over and over again. Hand size, his height, uh, he throws the ball this hard, all of a sudden. And we know, no, it's not that. It's not a science. It's not even an inexact science. It's an art form. And I remember when it started to shift right around that time when those three guys got into the NFL. It was Cam Newton, it was RAG3, and around that time, the NFL started to look at the quarterback position differently. And now... It basically even even with Baker Mayfield coming in, all the kind of stuff they had never drafted a quarterback number one overall who was that short and a former walk on. They would never draft a guy a former walk on as a as a number one pick in the draft. But they started to look at the quarterback position through a different lens, 
And they started to value different data points. And if VY would have been in, like I said, five, six years later, oh, if a different team would have drafted him with a different coach who wanted to weaponize him with the same concepts that Greg Davis was using, similar concepts at the NFL. And he, I'm not saying he would have been a Hall of Fame or anything, but he would have had a much more uh, successful NFL and fruitful NFL career. No mm-hmm. question. He just came along five years too early, man. Yep. He was born too. He was born five years too early. Pretty the, much. The league is is had changed a little bit too late for Vy, but I don't want to take away from our man Vy. But I got breaking news. Breaking news. Uh-oh. Breaking news. Bad breaking or good. Our breaking. man, our man Jeff Howe. You can hear him on Light the Tower. He just posted that Texas basketball guard Tyrese Hunter is coming back to the University of Texas hey. for his 23-24 season. The rising junior just posted a video and a graphic on his Instagram account confirming that he'll be back for his second season with Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns. I love to end the show on a good note. There it is. That's fantastic. Hey, Texas baseball, use that good mojo we just got from Texas basketball, and Texas baseball can keep it going. Uh, Let's do it. uh, What's on tap for you, brother? I I got all baseball, 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 basketball, baseball, baseball, basketball. There you go. He's a busy (laughs) man. What's on tap for you, Patrick? You know, watch some basketball. There you go. Uh, Tonight, you will have the Lakers versus Nuggets watching that game. We'll come back tomorrow and talk about it all. Hopefully, talking about a Texas baseball victory. That's what's coming up next. Uh, remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll talk about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. Craig Way, the voice of the Longhorns, coming up next. Calling the call for Texas baseball. Peace.